0: We want to give a shout out to our sponsors: Watchman Cigars, 1812 Barbecue, and Webmerized Website Design. Without you guys, the show would not be possible. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, while you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Blue Collar Motorcycle Company studio right here in beautiful Concord, North Carolina. I'll be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to the second half of this Flaky Biscuit, that's right, I'm talking about the pride of Mooresville, North Carolina. Hey. 2016's honorable mention barbecue champion of the world. The inventor of the Southern Fry Headline Show on old Mike number one. There he is, producer Brian. What up, man?
1: Hey, glad to be here. Uh, do you know this is episode number 120?
0: 120, my friend.
1: That's a lot. So I did a little bit of math. Okay. All um, right. That's over 10,000 hours of podcasting. Good gracious. So you and Mojo have done, that, that means you are... Depending on how some people count this. Mm-hmm. You are master podcasters. Ooh! So It takes ten thousand hours to master a skill.
0: Oh! You think we can get on Jim Harold's Pod Lords now?
1: I guess. Yeah. I mean, you, we can. You, we can see. Yeah. It's like I, I, the way I did the math was it's an average of an hour and a half an episode. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um. That times one hundred twenty. <laughs> sure. That's ten thousand eight hundred hours technically. So
0: we yeah. and we I feel like we still haven't done jack crap. Like, I still feel like on day one, I haven't gotten any
1: better. Oh, It <laughs> sounds better.
0: Well, because but, of you. Oh, 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 because <laughs> of, of, of your expert tutelage on the, the audio part.
1: I, get, I don't know. It's I, I think that this equipment in this new studio is kind of helping us out a
0: little bit. Yeah, no doubt. And your, your skills are awesome. Um, so, uh, just want to say some upcoming events that we have Hookline and heroes. It's a bash fishing tournament in Mooresville, North Carolina, your hometown, a uh, payout of $1,000. If you want some information, check out fish fishing for a mission 2019 at eventbrite.com. Also, Watchman Cigars has two events. Rooftop Spooktacular, October 26th and the Duke Mansion San- Sangria and Cigar, October 26th. Boy, I can talk.
1: Well, you? that's a lot of uh, S's, Sang- sangria and cigar. Yeah, um, and
0: spooktacular always gets me.
1: Oh, yeah, spooktacular, sangria and cigar mm-hmm. situation. That's,
0: yeah. it's uh, one of those things. What is it, an onomatopoeia?
1: I think that's where things sound like animals or like, <laughs> like, like buzz. Oh, The okay. word is sounds like the right. sound it makes. Gotcha. I'm remembering eighth grade.
0: Ah, God, it's been
1: so long since eighth grade. Anyway. Yeah, really.
0: I want to give a shout out to our listeners from Charleston, um, Charlotte, Charlottesville, Chattanooga, and Chicago. All brought to you by the letter C. Cha. Like, like, cha you later.
1: Oh, no, see you later. One of those.
0: Uh, I'm going to ask you like I ask Mojo every week. (laughs) How you be doing?
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm actually sitting in Mojo's chair right Mm -hmm. now, which yep feels a little weird. Uh, he couldn't be here tonight. Um, but I, I don't know if you've seen these or not, mm. but uh, have you seen the the Woods of Terror billboards? No. This year, they're different. Or the one I've seen is different. So I used to drive up 85, okay. I-85 in North Carolina all the time my previous job. And they had these, this time of year, it's a haunted mm. forest kind of deal. Okay. They had these billboards, like, they were rough, like, horror-type like pictures. Super scary. Like, really scared, like— yeah, they were kind of they were disturbing, I would okay. say. All right. Some of them. And and I always thought about like maybe I should I kinda of wanted to I, it upset me as a father with small children. Sure. If I'm driving down the road and you see these signs, <laughs> I don't want my kid going, What is that? Like right. it almost gives me nightmares and I'm sure a mostly stable adult. Right. So uh I was driving up here, actually I think for church on Sunday, and I saw one of the billboards. Okay. And it's like a unicorn, mm. like flying across puffy clouds or something. <laughs> and it says, this billboard isn't scary, but the woods of terror is. Oh. And I'm not necessarily plugging for them unless right. you're into know that sort of thing. But because they really made me mad the last couple of years with their stuff. But I'm wondering if enough people like, complained gotcha. about the – because they were getting – every year they were getting a little rougher. They were
0: pushing it every every time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those things where I'm like, why is that not regular – I know we. Mm. Mojo's big about no regulation. That needs to be regulated because yeah. everybody doesn't need to be looking
0: at that. Yeah. So. No, I understand. What, what What is your deal on haunted houses or in that time of year, haunted forests, things uh, of that
1: nature? Uh, they were fun when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and had like a lady friend with me. Oh, was, I see. You know, yeah. Get scared easier than me, so so maybe uh, <laughs> <clears throat> someone could grab onto someone else if it was you know situation there. Yeah. But yeah, you want. I would get go. Ones. There was one in Mooresville actually that I enjoyed. It mm-hmm. wasn't. It was. I, don't, I never went when I was scared enough to think it was real. But I've been in some that like totally freaked me out. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Um, I'm fine with it. I think it's you know it's a good money maker for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And Um, as long as you don't get too crazy with it. But, yeah. Like the one that I was at. Uh, I'm trying to remember. You just like walk through the woods and stuff would like jump scare you a little bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think I saw one thing that kind of made me like actually run out of the place. <laughs> <Ooh>. Oh, man. <laughs> so, you, How you many kinda, details? Well, yeah. Uh, you go through this whole thing, you know, you walk through one place and you hear like a chainsaw start up. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, it's time to move. It yeah. well, There's a chainsaw. Uh, and you, you walk out in this real quiet section of the woods. Oh, no. Uh, so you're walking down and you look and you look straight ahead and there's like, uh, the Halloween guy. What's uh, I can't remember Michael Myers? Michael Myers. You see Michael Myers? Okay. Like way down there, like, okay, I see him. It's not that scary. Well, that's a mirror, and he's right next to you. Oh, yeah. So it's like, whoa, you know. And yeah, uh, I may have jogged I think uh-huh. the. Uh, yeah, it was the last thing they did anyway. So, sure.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good though. I didn't.
1: It was good. It was well done. Yeah, it was well done.
0: Well done. Um, for me, I, I have to go now and ask. Just to make sure there's no clowns here, right? Like oh, that's my biggest. Oh, because that's a thing. The thing. Yeah, because I'm, I'm petrified of clowns, and before they weren't really that scary. Or I mean, they didn't they didn't have them a lot in the haunted, you know, forests or, or whatnot. I didn't see a bunch when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, but now they're everywhere. So I've got to I've got to be very careful. Just mm. to, it's, it's like, clowns to me have to be like a peanut allergy warning. Mm. Like, I've got to make sure there's none in the area whatsoever or else this I'm going to break facility out facility
1: may have clowns. Right. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm going to need a stamp or something on wow. that. Wow. It's just bad. Like, I, I really need to go talk to my therapist about it because it's it's pretty bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, clowns, I I can see how they can be creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up watching the, was it Bozo on yeah. Chicago or yeah. whatever, WGN or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, and if you think about it, he's, I feel like it was patterned after him or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Look at the red. The nose is like, uh. Uh, so I don't have any particular, I mean, I, I get it. I, I don't like scary clowns, but right. regular clowns, eh, whatever.
0: Yeah. They still, they all, to me, they could turn at any moment to become said scary clown. And then I'm like, I'm out. So
1: yeah. Then you got what the Joker movie out now, which is yeah. basically a cl- clown going insane, I guess is the premise. I yeah.
0: Seen it. I haven't seen it. I've heard, Good things about it, but it's very disturbing. There's like,
1: a lot of hype about that movie.
0: Yeah, a lot of hype, but it's it's dark. It's a good dark movie
1: is what I've heard. Hmm. I don't
0: know. Here it is. Um, I, I will say one thing that is not dark is quilting.
1: Unless there's black fabric, I guess. Oh, maybe. Goth quilting, is that a
0: thing? <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that uh, going to take uh, Foster Kid 1 to school today, there's been signs for quilting shows. They're, they're having one up by High Branch Brewery, you know, that old Gibson Mill area, whatnot. But, like, I know it's kind of a Southern thing, not just a Southern thing, but but a lot of Southerners love to quilt. Like, old grandmas love to quilt. When was the last time you said to yourself, I desperately need a quilt?
1: Um, I, I don't know that I've ever needed a quilt. Yeah. I've liked having them available though
0: yeah i don't but just why not get a blanket instead of a quilt why mm. a quilt
1: i don't know they, they tend to be i think they're more comfortable they're almost like a comforter like when you're bed mm-hmm. i think but the ones i have or the ones that have been made for me yeah <laughs> i've always i don't know they're cozy i don't know and i'm mm-hmm. not one that i don't have like a one of those blankets that doubles as a shirt what do you call those things uh had like a hood in it, I forget what it's called, but oh. it was called. Oh, snuggie or something. Oh yeah, like that. snuggie.
0: <laughs> gotcha.
1: I'm not. A, I'm not one of those guys. I, yeah, I can't have my feet covered up in the bed. You know. Seriously? Yeah. But uh, not at first. When I fall asleep, they end up in there. But that's a different topic, probably. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to write that. Yeah. To come back to <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like them. Actually, we, we got one as a wedding gift mm-hmm. from one of my wife's friends in Pennsylvania. Right. And she's. She's way younger than me, probably. She's Sure. You know, she might be 30, but she made us a quilt. it take like a year. Yeah. It, apparently, it takes a while. You can't just like put them in an the oven and pull them out. Right. But yeah, quilting show is something I don't really understand.
0: No, I don't. And there's so the different patterns, and people spend a year on it. I'm just going to go down to Kohl's and get a fuzzy... Fuzzy blanket and then just enjoy that.
1: They, like they sell them? Is there like a really high market for quilts?
0: Maybe I don't. I don't know. I'm sure you can buy other people's quilts. It's and, like you
1: go to a barbecue show and you get the sample barbecue. Right. You get to take like a little like uh, doily quilt home with you or like <laughs> right. a coaster or something.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Like it fascinates me, just the people that spend all this time on a quilt.
1: Who has that kind of time? Is what I want to. know. Yeah. Because no, I grandma's. do not have that time. And no. And then apparently. Some young people. Yeah, some young people.
0: That's their deal. I think we need to go check this out for the show. That would just be fun to to go.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a thing we could do. Take our live rig down to a quilting show. Right. And interview some quilters. Yeah. Take some pictures maybe. I mean,
0: if that's not Radio Gold, I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, we better, maybe hit Southern Strain first. But, (laughs) great idea.
0: All right, so let's go to some wacky news brought to you by uh, 1812 barbecue. If you need a Fantastic catering gig with some fantastic barbecue and impeccable sides. Check out our friends at 1812 Barbecue on the sponsor section of our website. All right, so here is breaking news. Uh, Amid the fury of new prohibitions signed over this weekend by the governor in, in California, no furs, no circus animals, no smoking on the beach. There's a new California law that lifts a prohibition. You can now eat roadkill. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Legislation sponsored by Senator Barb Archuleta of Mont- Montebello allows drivers who fatally strike a deer, elk, pronghorn, antelope, or a wild pig can now take the dead animal home as long as they apply with, uh, within 24 hours for a free, quote, wildlife salvage permit.
1: So this those animals is very limited. Just those animals. So if you yes. hit a duck, you can't go home no. and make duck duck no. comfy. No. Hmm.
0: Uh the new law also allows salvaging, uh such salvaging by people who happen upon recently dead animals on the road.
1: Okay. <laughs> this seems like it's happening in the wrong place. Right? <laughs> right? Because of all the places in the world where you think about Bubba's gonna go pick up the deer off the road. Right. It's not California. It's not California. I know there's some hunting actually i know a friend of mine that moved to california who's a good old boy so he's mm-hmm. he's out there and he might go for this <laughs> right but this seems like a texas law or montana law or alabama sure yeah georgia i mean this is like
0: southern this is a southern law right here
1: yeah this is and i'm not saying you should do this necessarily but mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's i'm a just huge, saying but
0: if you're going to hit it and it's salvageable why not pick up the deer meat?
1: Yeah. The, now, if you hit a deer, you may have trouble getting the deer home because the whole front of your car is wrecked. True. So you just put it in the back and then get the tow truck, take both of you.
0: There you go. That's
1: What's a good idea. What's the logistics on that?
0: Well, he's you need to put like house. a
1: flag, say this is my deer. No one else <laughs> take it till I come back 10 hours from now. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. And then the fact that it's 24 hours after it's been damaged. Like if it's been laying in the road for more than like – an hour, I feel like questionable. Like 24 hours? Yeah,
1: if you're in like, what's that desert in California? Yeah. And you, you know, maybe they don't have the Mojave. Yeah, there's Mojave. There's that one. Yeah. There's like Death Valley in California. Sure. But like 10 minutes, I thing's done, right. right.
0: Yeah. I would not stumble upon that five minutes later and be like, well, maybe five minutes, but like, not <laughs> like, that that minute like 20 minutes later. Like, ah. Because gnats and stuff are – flies are already – yeah
1: Yeah. Do you remember the uh, Roadkill Cafe? Like mm. – I think – I hope it was a parody. But there was like menus online and T-shirts you could get. Right. Yeah. I, this just reminds me
0: of that yeah. from the But 90s. now you can actually do it. They said that uh, it's the law is going to go, in effect into 2021 with the launching of a pilot program that includes the creation of a mobile app that requests the permits that away. Huh. I mean – if you don't do it via a mobile app, you have to. Do you have to go stand in line for said permit? At, yeah, what, what's the, the regulation DMV? for
1: that too? Like, right. If you just say it's been twenty six hours, right. And you pick that thing up. Are they gonna have like troopers or like wildlife officers mm-hmm. just kind of scouting Uh-oh. out the, yeah. the carcass? Oh well, it's been too long. <laughs> you know, got my stopwatch out.
0: I'm not saying it's like my, uh, Haverty's. The, like the stain protection plan that I have, it says you only have like thirty days to declare
1: a claim. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it happened. It burns your Yeah,
0: it happened four four months ago. But yeah, it happened thirty days ago.
1: Yeah, now I can see if you know if you're if you hit like a an eight point or twelve point like a deer, yeah. like a trophy deer. And like, yeah. Oh yeah, I totally uh, took that one out myself, mm-hmm. and you take it to the taxidermist yeah. <laughs>
0: in your busted vehicle that you just.
1: The 1812 barbecue story started over
0: 20 years ago when Eric and his dad started entering local barbecue competitions for fun. During that time, Eric, a United States Marine, has traveled all over the world picking up flavors and techniques that today is the unique flavor of the award-winning 1812 barbecue. He has honed his craft to bring you fall-off-the-bone pulled pork, mouth-watering ribs, and finely crafted beef brisket. Eric has developed his own amazing dry rub and and delicious barbecue sauce. And let's not forget the sides. Coleslaw, smoked Gouda mac and cheese, cowboy baked beans, and to top it all off, banana pudding and pecan pie for dessert. Getting hungry yet? Good. Call or email Eric at 1812 Barbecue, and he can make your next catered meal happen. Wedding and graduation parties, family reunions, and other events will be memorable with 1812 Barbecue. Want to try your own hand at smoking meats? Pick up your own 1812 dry rub and start the journey for yourself. Shipping all over the world, connect with Eric on his Facebook page, Instagram at 1812 Barbecue, or call 704-604-5148 or email Eric at eric.line at 1812BBQ.com, and he'll be glad to help any way he can. All right, um, we talked about this last week. We talked about uh, drive ins and who has the slowest drive time. We said Chick fil A had the slowest drive time. But now there are cities banning new drive throughs. Uh, drive through windows at fast food restaurants, banks, and other businesses have long represented the convenience for which American businesses are renowned. But the ease of idling in a vehicle while waiting for your order is now associated with another development. Climate change. As a result, some communities across the U.S. are banning the drive-thrus, citing the additional carbon emissions that are released. Minneapolis this summer banned the construction of new drive-thrus, while officials in Long Beach, California, have imposed a six-month ban while they do a study. Similar ordinances restricting or prohibiting fast food windows have now been adopted in communities such as Creve Missouri. I live there. Fair Haven, New Jersey, and Orchard Park, New York. Uh, Minneapolis cited air pollution from idling vehicles as a major factor for the ban on drive-thrus, along with litter, noise, and the potential of vehicles blocking sideways, which can increase the risk of a pedestrian accident. So what say you, banning drive throughs to reduce carbon emissions?
1: Well... I mean, folks are just going to go to a different drive through if there's no drive through <laughs> the restaurant. It's not going to stop people going through a drive. I mean, if you ban all drive throughs, that mm-hmm. might be a step in a direction. I'm not going to say what's right or wrong right, <laughs> on that front. Uh, if you want to ban something that's causing emissions, you need to ban the car rider line at the elementary school.
2: Oh, because that's I way bet that's longer. Next. It's I bet that's be,
1: next. I don't know the solution to that problem either, but parachuting them in, mm, like sh- shoot them out of a cannon. Oh
0: yeah, like from your like,
1: home. Yeah, it's just yeah <laughs> because I I sit in those every day and I'm not turn them engine off because i listening no. to a podcast. Or something. You're right, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're editing a podcast.
1: But this is, I mean, I, this seems ridiculous to me.
0: Right, and it's just a few towns. Like that's not going to do anything, y'all.
1: Yeah, and I think we've talked about it here before. America as as advanced as we are, we, everyone has a car and we're putting mm-hmm. all these emissions out. We're not probably the biggest culprit mm-hmm. of this pollution slash air pollution thing. Right. Yeah, maybe it's a bad, there's a human effect. I think that that's a thing on some level, a small. Mm-hmm. But the planet gets hotter. The sun's actually, actually, I was listening to a podcast, it was a kid's podcast for this, uh, maybe two days ago. And they were talking about greenhouse gases and emission. Mm-hmm. And the planet was hotter like millions of years ago. mm mm-hmm. And then, like, the, it naturally cooled off because yep. of the carbon dioxide and oxygen plants and all that sort of thing. But they said the sun's actually hotter now than it was then. It just keeps getting hotter, hmm. which is a factor that I haven't heard anyone talk about before. No, I haven't so heard that of, one you know, either. So, global, it's literally is global warming. Not man-made it's, global warming. It's solar. It's the sun's going to... Go supernova and burn us all out that way. Ooh. So that's going to be some serious warming. But there's, I mean, there are, there is more emissions. There's less plants. All that, You know, that's all factors, I guess. But
0: so is there, is there going to have to be a, a, pl- a plot now to cool the sun down?
1: Yeah, that's what we need to see. Cool the sun. We're just going to ship like a bunch of, uh, well, they're already trying to make glaciers. So, you know, they're trying to fabricate glaciers. I am not know mm-hmm. if sure you've heard yeah. about this or not. Or By the submarines. Yeah. My thought was, you know, you just get, if you have like the Yeti Corporation, make giant Yetis. Yeah. And fill those with the glaciers. you know, Just scoop them there and they stay cool. I've mean, made water this morning and I came back and I found it when there was still ice in my cup.
0: Yeah. Just do that. Put and, the glaciers in a Yeti cooler. Yep. You're done. That's it. You saved the planet. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> the other, uh, uh, the other intended uh, problems that this is. Trying to solve is also health and trying to fight obesity. The less drive throughs you have, the less fat people you'll have.
1: Well, I, <laughs> so I have a tendency to run through the drive through after we record this show. Mm-hmm. Would I go in and get the food if there wasn't a drive through and I would just go home and eat like Ooh. some carrots or something? That's the question. Yeah. And the, I would well, – I probably just would not eat anything because I'm like, oh, well, you know, Taco Bell's right over here. Let me just sneak over yeah. and scarf that on my 20-minute drive home. And I don't know that that would happen. That may be a real thing. That could that could be a
0: – There was a research published in so- Social Science and Medicine found obesity rates climbed uh, following a 2008 regulation banning opening or expanding standalone fast food restaurants through drive through windows in South Los Angeles – so they banned it, and then people just still got fatter. So congratulations, America!
1: Standalone fast food. Does that mean like you put like combo, like you have like a food court drive-through?
0: No, I think it's just it's like you can't go in. You know, like the uh, the cookout, oh, like cookout, a cookout where a lot of them dri- you can't, can really, or there's
1: those coffee places where you can just yep. drive through the outside. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a chain in South Carolina I've never been to that does
0: that. Yeah, you
1: have a Taco Bell. Yeah, speaking of Taco Bell, mm-hmm. that's a that's a professional segue, is what we call that. <laughs> um, apparently, I, I'm just finding out about this, but a New Jersey couple was suing, or they did sue Taco Bell, okay, because their five dollar fill up or five dollar cravings box. I forget the exact name. Oh, it's the craving. This is about the Chalupa Cravings Box, okay, which is delicious. I've had it. That's my go to. But the advertisement said it's a $5, like fill up, kind of like KFC does, it's a $5 box. Yep. This couple went through the drive through. Um, it's $5. You know, there was about 88 cents worth of tax, but they end up paying like a $12, like $12.18 for two of these $5 boxes. So wait a minute, this math doesn't add up. So they've basically sued Yum, the, mm-hmm. the conglomerate, um, for their $2.18. Because you know it, the commercials say at participating locations for a, okay, but apparently this is in federal court for some like false advertising thing.
0: The so to understand a a Taco Bell that they went to was not offering the five dollar chalupa cravings box. It may have been like a six dollar and eight cents.
1: To yeah. a loop box. Apparently, these average depending on the Taco Bell you go to. Mm-hmm. It could be as high as eight dollars for a five, for this five dollar box. Huh? You know, at participating because you hear that all the time at like participating vacations. Right. Yeah. And I think okay, this won't work at the airport, right? Sure. Or the mall, maybe. right? But the most i figure drive-through kind of places. Yeah, yeah. They're not into. Indi- I don't think they're independently owned. They're franchises.
0: Yeah, I would think that they would all have to
1: do a five dollar craving if book. the commercials are in your market. you yeah. know. Huh. So it's so, a federal court. I just call my eye because it's you know now, I tend to look for ridiculous things. Do
0: do they realize that the lawyer fees are going to be much more than two dollars and eighteen cents?
1: Yeah, what's the payout going to be? I didn't, right. I didn't I didn't finish the article.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we could take a break and you can finish the
1: article. So the cost of filing a civil lawsuit in superior court is two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. So they want they want their two fifty back hmm. plus two dollars and eighteen cents. I think. <laughs>
0: Do they not have anything better to do in their life?
1: Oh Well, okay. They said the potential award for you know damages could be oh. more than $75,000.
0: Now I'm starting to get on the bandwagon here. $75,000 payout.
1: Let me see how many $5 boxes that is. That's um, $15,000 $5 boxes.
0: <laughs> how many $6.08? That's, that's <laughs> the question. If, if
1: they're not actually, let's call it a 618 box. Uh, you can only get a hundred twelve thousand maybe under twenty one. I can't math. Math is hard. even with a calculator anyway, kids. you could probably buy a few fill up boxes for seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> so
0: all that for the conclusion of you can buy just a few of them.
1: That's a, that's a good that's a good investment though. you have it. Oh, yeah, you know, they owe you two dollars and eighteen cents and you turn it into seventy five grand.
0: yeah, no doubt. Warren mm. Buffett.
1: I like it. Yeah, there we go. okay. so everyone, just pay attention to the commercials. We'll just take care that. I'll take care of the fast food problem right there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the, it was now. It was the medical community. Now everybody's targeting the fast food community. Yep. Got it. All right. So let's go to Hot Topics brought to you by Watchman Cigars. If you want a quality cigar at a reasonable price, check out our friends at WatchmanCigars.com. You can check them out on their website at WatchmanCigars.com. All right. So felony hand gestures. What's going on with this, Producer Brian?
1: Okay, so, you know, as I'm doing this headline show, mm-hmm. I'm reading a lot of weird news. Okay. You know, I don't read any real news. Sure. Like the, the what's important the stuff, you know, like there's something's happening on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. I heard a little bit about that, but I don't really know what's going on, but.
0: That's Mojo's job and he's not here. That's so right. That's so, out of the window. Exactly.
1: So I'm to, it's, it's almost a continuation of what it's wacky, but it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of burning my biscuits, you might okay. say. Sure. Come on. Uh, so there was an article I saw today. Um, actually, so finger guns, right? You know, pew, 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 pew you know. Pew. I I was uh, actually this was on my show last week, but a guy basically stopped a hit and run pursuit, <laughs> right. By pointing a finger gun and saying, "Hey, stop!" Uh-huh. And the guy stopped and like backed up, and you know, he caught a guy who injured people in a hit and run. Yeah, essentially using his finger guns. <laughs> um, so I, th- this is why I'm bringing this up because I saw another article today. And a middle schooler was arrested and mm. could and for and like charged with a felony, a felony for pointing her index finger and thumb at another student. Mm-hmm. And the resource officer at the school suggested that she be arrested,
0: and she was arrested. She was arrested.
1: Right? There she, she's already appeared in court. with The grandfather there was a bunch of articles about it today. Um, we'll y'all, put some links in the show notes to that, but y'all. And they're talking about having some education classes. She may get out of the felony part of it and get, I mean, it's juvenile. She's, mm-hmm. I think, 13 or something like that. But people are getting too crazy with these oh, 100%. hand gesture things. So that that's the thing. And then, you know, the okay sign. I think we've talked about the okay sign well, before.
0: Yeah, and, and to go back, I remember we did a story where a kid got uh, suspended because he chewed his Pop-Tart in the shape of a gun and fired at somebody. Like, y'all, seriously, Come on. it's a Pop-Tart.
1: So my question is: Is someone so you know if I'm sitting at a boring meeting and I kind of mm-hmm. put my finger to my temple like you're out, just kill me? Am I going to be put yes. under suicide watch for that? Yes, 100. percent. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> come on, come on, guys. These are kids. You know they searched her for a real weapon. They like find this is way right overboard. I, I
0: understand because what's going to happen is you know one one time some some kid's going to do that and then they're not going to press charges or whatever. And then they're actually going to go fire, you know, fire up the school. And then you're like, oh, well, here we go. I mean, I know you got to take all things seriously, but a felony charge for a 13-year-old? Y'all, come I, on.
1: Yeah, this, and I think some of this has to be case by case. I mean, what, sure. what was the history of this child? Right. Was she aggravating other students? Was mm-hmm. she, I don't know, did she bully? What was the, or was she, bully? you know, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of things that yeah. go into this. I think about like my three-year-old. You know, he pretends he's Iron Man. So, he'll yeah. walk around the house and you know hold his palm up like yeah. Iron Man does. Mm-hmm. At what point is that going to be constrained as a threat? Yeah. You know. I, I mean, hands up, don't Use your shoot. head, people. This is dumb.
0: <laughs> and this okay symbol. Yeah. This a, one gets a little bit more. This one. I kind of.
1: This one, you know, this is the other side of it. Mm-hmm. This guy, you look at the pictures, he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. Here. Sure. You can see it in the photo. Yep. So, he's. It's like a kid's birthday. They're at, uh, They're at Universal. Universal. He's dressed as a minion from the Despicable Me.
0: It was the 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 guy. It wasn't the. What minion. Was
1: it Gru? Oh, it was Gru. Right, right. Yeah. It was Gru. It was the yeah. the main character, I guess, of those movies. Um, and he's doing the you know the upside down okay, which mm-hmm. we we've, we've as a everyone thinks is a hate sign now. Yeah, you know, and, and the way this is, the picture looks really bad for this dude. It does. Right? Like, yeah, it just like. Was he just resting his hand like that? You you can't
0: rest your hand like that. It does it just doesn't look right.
1: Yeah. So like, maybe he's he could. It may not be a hate thing. It could be because you know when I was a kid, you did that and you got if you did it, you got to punch someone in the arm.
0: Right. That's why game. I'm not looking at it. Was it. A game because,
1: <laughs> yeah, because you can see, it, I've I've shown this to Biggin like three times. He's right. not taking the bait. No, I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> hey, there's something under the table. Um, I think. you know, Careful. Um,
0: yeah. It's a family show. <laughs> but you were, but yeah, when you did that as a kid, it was a it was a game and you played with it. And then the it was it's an upside down okay symbol. Yeah. And somehow that got connected to white supremacy.
1: Yeah. Some white supremacist like hate crime mm-hmm. guy used the symbol in public at his like hearing or trial or as he's being carted yeah. into prison. Yeah. He held up this sign. And so everyone suddenly you're not okay anymore, you're a white supremacist. Right. Cause that's the W, I guess. Is that what we're looking at? Is that what that is? I'm not looking.
0: Okay, at it, I'm gonna hold it yeah. high. We're not, I'm not gonna punch <laughs> you. I promise. Right. sir <laughs> uh, I thought it was Whopper.
1: Oh yeah. Oh Whopper. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I, I, man, I mean, it, I don't we're know. getting we're getting a little bit too much into this. Y'all. We're not gonna be able to like leave the house. No.
1: You know, you can't make any. Plan. You can't communicate with people in any way that's not written and like had your lawyer review it. Right. First,
0: I think I'm going straight back to hieroglyphics. You know, I'm just going to use those, chisel it out on some stone. We'll go back to the good old days. Take it to the quilt show. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll communicate via quilts. There we go. Perfect.
1: There, That's it. There you there time it. to think about what you're going to say. <laughs> you know, it won't, you can't come out rash. It'll, right. it'll always be premeditated and intentional, whatever comes out of that quilt.
0: I've I've waited one year to say, yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, so our next thing we're going to do is, have you heard about this Impossible Whopper?
1: I've seen the commercials.
0: It is a fake hamburger, plant-based hamburger. Yep, not a hamburger. Burger nope. King.
1: It's a, I'll call that a salad or.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> so here is the the definition of said Impossible Burger. Okay, so our Impossible Whopper sandwich features a savory flame-grilled patty Made from plants, topped with juicy tomatoes, fresh lettuce, creamy mayonnaise, ketchup, crunchy pickles, and sliced white onions on a soft sesame se- seed bun. 100% Whopper, 0% beef.
1: Made from plants. Like ferns and like – like what, what plants were <laughs> – right. it doesn't say made from vegetables. No. It just says plants. Plants. Like I have grass in my yard that's a plant. Mm-hmm. Is that what this is going to be?
0: Also, there's an asterisk – for guests looking for a meat free option, a non-broiler method of preparation is available upon request. It's
1: contact, I believe, with the grill. so they grill it on the, on the same, same griddle. It's not a meat-free griddle. Yeah. Gotcha. You know. So kinda of like, you know, we we me and you were talking about peanut stuff beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um and that's something I look at because my kids have yeah, peanut allergies. Sure. So that's a thing. You know, if you have a if you're super vegan and yeah. don't want, you don't want your Impossible burger to have even seen what real meat looks like. Yeah. You know, because it yeah. might upset your stomach.
0: So let we're going to compare the side-by-side comparison of the plant-based Whopper versus the regular Whopper. And then I actually bought one, so we're going to go taste it.
1: All right. All right. I'm excited.
0: So do so you have the—we'll we'll read them out. I've got the Impossible Whopper. You bring up the regular Whopper. And then we'll go through the nutritional information of said burger or plant-based burger. All right. The nutritional information on the Impossible Burger, the calories are 630.
1: Okay. The uh, calories on the original, the OG Whopper, I want to Mm -hmm. call it, is 660. And these are without cheese, to be clear.
0: Okay. 30 calorie difference. 30. 30. Uh, the fat content, clearly that's got to be much higher because it's plant based. It has to be. Uh, so mine is 34 grams.
1: Oh, wow. You beat me by six grams of fat. It's 40.
0: Whoa. It's 40, yeah. I'm already getting healthier. Saturated fat, there's 11 grams of saturated fat.
1: 11? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got 12. Whoa. That's the bad fat. Right? That's the bad one, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, is this one? Oh, wait.
0: The trans fat, uh, I have zero grams.
1: Okay. This is where you got me 1.5 grams.
0: We we're crushing it here. Cholesterol, we have 10 grams for the impossible burger.
1: Okay. This is 90. So there's that's a bigger difference. Okay. That one, the that, cholesterol, now we, now okay,
0: now we've got the difference. What about the sodium milligrams? I have
1: 1,080. <laughs> Here's the thing. To make plants taste good, uh-huh. you got to add a lot more salt. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is 980. So it's Whoa. less sodium in the OG Whopper.
0: 100 milligrams difference. Carbs. You. It's clearly got to be uh, cheap on the carbs. 58 carbs.
1: Well, it's plant-based. There's probably more carbs in it. Oh,
0: yeah. Maybe that's right.
1: But the buns, this is 49 on the Whopper. So it's less.
0: It, the regular Whopper is more keto-friendly than the plant-based Whopper. Yes. Fiber, there's four grams. Two. Ooh, sugar, 12 grams.
1: You're beating me. An 11. Like, it's a higher. And again, that's a little bit more sugar. And the plants have a sugar okay. in them. All
0: right. And protein. Clearly, that the regular burger's got to have more. Got this you. has 25. 28.
1: What? Barely. Just barely. So, this is the same. It's impossible that this sandwich is better for you.
0: Listen, can I can I be <laughs> honest with you? So, I, I went by the drive-thru to get said impossible burger. I also picked up dinner for myself. I had a regular burger. Okay. When I ate it, I said, this is impossible that it's an actual burger. Because yeah. they
1: don't they don't taste I that mean, good. Burger y'all. King's y'all. not the best. Yeah. I don't think they were. Were they even on the food bracket when we did that? They were. They They lost. didn't last. Yeah. They, they lost. I mean, there's something to be said, like for a regular, like the plain cheeseburger, mm. cheeseburger. It's not horrid. It's not bad. Anything else in that building? And I think you probably like the croissants, right?
0: I do like the croissants.
1: In a pinch. Uh, I've, eaten, yeah. I've eaten my share of them. They've got the croissant with the – like they, you can get sausage and bacon on mm-hmm. it, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And now they have like waffles, like waffle
1: sandwiches. Oh. Those
0: look kind of interesting
1: mm, and good. I will, I'm, I'm not going to say whether I'm going to investigate or not. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, so we're going to pause it. We're going to go we, – because we're in the new studio – uh, if you're in the you're market for a high-quality cigar for a so very reasonable it, price, you must check out our friends at Watchmen Cigars. Watchman Cigars is a family-owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business. Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full, spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you – to provide a custom, exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Cigars 1991 or check out his new website at WatchmanCigars.com or the sponsor section of our website. Um, All right, so we're back. We just got back from the kitchen, again, because we're not allowed to eat in studio. Uh, So we got back from the kitchen. We tried this Impossible Burger. It has, I mean, it has all... As I told you at the beginning, the ketchup tastes the same. Um, all the this the lettuce, tomato, onion, that tastes the same. But that burger-ish, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, okay. So you had Burger King for dinner. Right. So you have a fresh idea of what the beef is supposed to taste like. Right. The last burger I had was a McDonald's burger. Okay. Actually, I had a chicken sandwich that night. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I haven't had a Whopper in a long time. Okay, But the all thing right. about a Whopper is they put – so much junk. On, like, the burger, it, it's all condiments mm-hmm. and, and vegetables anyway. Right. All I taste when I get a Whopper, typically, is ketchup, mayonnaise, onion, Yeah. and smoke. Okay. That's what I taste yeah. when I get a Whopper. Okay. This tasted like ketchup, onion, mayonnaise, and smoke.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: so, a- about the same. To me, again, I haven't had a Whopper. I cannot tell you the last time because me and my digestive system does not agree mm. with burger king. oh boy. in general, i don't know whatever they their their <laughs> broiler, they like I, I i love onion rings. so mm. I, they every time they just destroy me. so wow. yeah. uh i thought it tasted like a whopper. And, yeah. and just to clarify, we had the double whopper with cheese. so we got extra uh impossible beef whatever that's called. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I will say it. It is leaving a weird aftertaste in my mouth. I don't know if you're getting that, but it's it's back about three quarters of the way back of my tongue. Yeah, like the sides of your tongue.
1: Yeah. Kind of, and like, I can't get it out. It's like a, it's like eating plastic almost. is what it tastes like to yes! me. Yes, yeah. Like, it's like if you if you've ever eaten a Snickers wrapper, that's what it tastes like.
0: <laughs> I have not, but I, I can. I'm not going to tell that story. Yeah, but, uh, well, but yeah, we'll talk but, about the Snickers wrapper and the fact that you can't sleep with. The sheet on your feet. Yeah. In another episode.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird aftertaste to it. I did not have that with the regular. And in full transparency, I had a rodeo cheeseburger, oh. which is the the hamburger, the onion ring, and the barbecue sauce on top. So well, it that, wasn't a
1: real sure, whopper. but the beef was supposed it was real as you get at was, Burger King, right? Right. Uh, now apparently I was I saw so when doing research to pull this up, I mm-hmm. saw their new offering on the picture on the website, the okay. pretzel bun thing. I, Can we get away from the gosh dang pretzel
0: bun? I'm so sick of that thing. What? It is everywhere. Where where's the pretzel bun? You remember a while back there was a craze where everything was a pretzel bun. Everything had a pretzel bun. on
1: At least Wendy's had a pretzel bun for a while, didn't they?
0: Everybody had a pretzel bun. My grandma had a pretzel bun. My grandma, <laughs> how'd you? I don't know. I got it from Burger King. Grandma, stop!
1: I, I always get the pretzel bun at Sheets if I'm eating the Sheets. Okay. Just, yeah. There was a pretzel bun
0: she... fad going on, but they're—I guess—they're bringing it back.
1: Yeah. yeah. So this this sandwich to me, yeah, I'm not gonna call it a burger, right? Sandwich. It's not, it's sandwich. Uh, the, the situation where you get eat, get this is first you're a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, your car breaks down 12 miles from civilization. Okay. You walk that 12 miles to a nowhere town mm-hmm. and there's a Burger King and you're starving. But you're not, they don't have salads at Burger King, do they? Yes. Do they? They do. Oh, well, if you have to eat veg- vegetable food at Burger King and you're a vegetarian, this is okay. what you
0: get. So, this, this is in the scenario, the 12 mile hike, that's if you're a vegetarian. Yeah. Because if, if I'm not a vegetarian, I'm going to go for everything else on that menu. Absolutely, yeah. After I'm going to get the, the rodeo life. burger right, or sure.
1: three or four of them. Uh-huh. So, that, you know, you walk 12 miles, a salad ain't going to do it. No, right? no. Right. No. Even yeah. if you are, a, like, this is what this is what this is for. Okay. Yeah.
0: And, and I hear other companies are trying to also mimic the plant-based meatless food. I don't know how well that's going to go over. I don't know how well this is going to go over. To be uh,
1: honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm – Skeptical on what my drive to Washington, D.C. is going to be like tomorrow morning.
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, you had, you had half of one. I had so half of one, yes. You've got, you've got a solid, what, 12 hours to
1: clear it out of the system. But I'm going to top it with Taco Bell when I leave, probably. Oh, yeah, that's well, that's sad. your fault on
0: that one. All right. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have special guest Jay Turner from Dive 21 Studios in studio with us. We'll be back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. The views and opinions of Southern Fried Philosophy are not necessarily those of our guests, sponsors, or friends of the show, but they should be. All right, we're back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, and in studio with us, we have Jay Turner, Dive 21 Studio. You've been on it before, and you're back again. Welcome back, Jay Turner. Thank you for having me. I love this show. Yes, sir. I appreciate you uh, being on. Last time you were on, episode 61. We are now officially at 120.
1: 120, so you're almost like—
0: Halfway through. Half. I'm the halfway
1: guy. Yeah, halfway. So, we uh, see, we'll get you back on at Half from now or 60 more, which would Oh, it would that? be
0: it would be half from now. So, 240, right? Oh, wow. Are we going to okay. double. So, 60, 60 is 120 then 120 to 240. Why Listen, are we doing math again? We can't. Man. We we clearly cannot do math. I think we're talking about film <laughs> guys. I, all right, let's just I, I go to right. film. Uh, I, uh, I didn't do so well in math. <laughs> I didn't either. Uh, Jay, tell us what's been going on. The last time you were on, in studio, we're talking about a new film. Tell us what happened to that film, where are we at now, what's going on? Well,
3: first and foremost, um, the last time I was here, we were talking about The Forgiven. Mm -hmm. And where I was at that point, it was about me as a filmmaker Mm -hmm. and The Forgiven and just what I could do. Mm -hmm. And in the time since I've been in the show, God's really gripped my heart and he kind of showed me that it's not about you. It's about the message that I want you to give. So, mm. you know, I can grow the kingdom. So that's what really gave birth to dive 21 studios. Okay. And so what we did was, uh, Mike Adams that, uh, he played Val Drexel in the forgiven. I came to him and we wanted to start a, a production company together. And so we created dive 21. Okay. A quick little fun fact about dive 21. He was my football coach back during, uh, peewee leagues and well, not not peewee. I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12. Um, Anyway, he would always call, Dot like, 21 Dive,
1: and oh, yeah. I would opt uh. out of it because
3: I was a passing quarterback and I never wanted to throw the, like, <laughs> hand the ball off, you know? So there was, like, that frustration. So when yeah. we were trying to come up with the name, he came up with Dive 21. brilliant. really defines, you know, our relationship. That Did, you,
0: just, you just bail out and, and leave it, anytime he calls the play? That's what he wants
1: yeah. to do. Yes,
3: yeah. whenever. I was like, okay, well, okay, man to man, we'll go run. You know. We
0: had a 42 belly option. That was, that was our favorite play. We are running it just right up the middle. Philly 2 belly
3: option. That'll be our uh, subsidiary studio. That'll be our oh, yeah. music company right there.
1: Belly 2. That's the show title. 42 <laughs> belly option. 42
3: belly option. Yeah. So anyway um, – so then we brought on uh, Ray Benfield and he's our he's our VP in public relations and things like that. but when we started it, we asked ourselves you know do we just want to be another production company mm-hmm. and we decided you know if we're you know the morals and stuff that that we're found in this company in that's when we decided hey we're going to partner up with as many local charities and statewide charities as we can and give uh, most of the stuff that most of the revenue that we generate off of our movies back to these charities mm-hmm. and then right after that, that's when for about a year I was emailing about twenty eight distribution companies uh, once every week, and then finally one of them reached back to me. And was like, "Can you please stop emailing us?" I was like, "Well, did <laughs> take, did you take the time to look at it?" And they're like, "Actually, yes, we did, and that's why we're calling you." And so they they wanted to pick up the the forgiven for national distribution. Oh wow! And then I said, "That's great, but can we do one even better?" They're like, "What are you talking about?" and i was like well i've got this next project i'm working on legacy river and they were like ooh that sounds good and i'm like well it's going to be you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: then, also to back up that the <laughs> intro part of the story sounded a whole lot like my uh, high school dating career <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i've had like sales i think about like the emails i get from as a, as a business owner like yeah. people like i've had like people marketing me like sending me emails that sound like i've had conversations with them <laughs> But I never, I've never responded to anything. <laughs> and they're going, "Hey, about that thing we talked about." I'm like, "I'm not taking that." Uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> is
0: that is that the is that the prince from Africa
1: that's trying to get no, your money now? No, like someone wants guy? to work on a website or hmm, something. But I've, the literally based on our last, the email starts with based on what we talked about.
0: Oh yeah, we
1: never talk. Yeah, that's when <laughs> right. <right>. you gotta. <laughs> anyway, go.
0: sorry, we digress. Go ahead, Legacy River. Now I'm into that story. I wanna <laughs>
3: no, so um, we were talking about Legacy River. And so I sent them the spec trailer, sent them the script and sent them the EPK. And then they came back and they said, well, how about, uh, you know, what do you want to do with this? And I said, all I want is just a a letter of intent to say, if we make it, then you guys will distribute it. Hmm. And then they came back and said, well, how about we do you one better? What? And they're like, let's just put this as a two picture worldwide release deal. And I said, okay, that sounds good. You know, (laughs) but inside I'm like, yes. you know." (laughs) Okay. Um, And then we get off the phone and you know, here we are. And then kind of months later, the, the distribution part is just a whole beast in itself, and everything that all the what we call deliverables and everything that you have to break down the, the from the technical aspect of it, the, the file formats and you know release forms. I mean, it's just a it's a. Mm. It took me about two and a half months to get everything, and I'm talking like eight ten hour work workdays um, to get everything to them. And then once I got everything to them, well, I hope they're not listening eventually. Yeah, um, but nobody's listening. That's not nice. that a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what am i doing here no was, uh, sure. so they were like yeah uh kevin sorbo we we're putting out a movie with kevin sorbo called forgiven so we're going to need you to change the title and i was like well i mean you realize that i have to go back and re-render out everything and then all the contracts and release forms everything says they're forgiven Ooh, and so now i'm having to do that in the midst of getting ready to start you know um we've been in pre-production you know for legacy river or whatever but i digress we've we got everything done you know um but to answer your question that's that's what's been been going on. Um so we, we changed the name from the forgiven to to broken armor uh, which we think uh, is good. We came up with about 417 different titles and I had a focus what? group of about 13 people and we would just be throwing out names and be like no that's terrible. No that's got no that's terrible.
0: What's you the know? worst name that you that you had? Do you remember? Like, I do, one, but I don't
3: want to say okay, it. Okay, but... what's
0: the second worst <laughs> title?
3: I would probably what was it? Heaven's Grace or something like that. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't and, go and that. And that was the though. thing it's like the thing about, you know, making Peaches faith cream. Based, yeah. Well, the I thing about making faith-based films is, you know, if, if you're on like Christian film product, like if you follow a lot of these Facebook pages and stuff, even Christians are getting to the point and this is a good thing because they're forgiven. We started 5 years ago. Yeah, you know, okay. It's been like a 5-year project. And back then, we wanted to push the envelope of Christian films. We didn't want to candy coat stuff and or preach to the choir kind of thing. And, and mm-hmm. that's fine, kind of like the Kindred Brothers, or you know, everybody needs those types of movies. But mm-hmm. where were the movies that, you know, like if Jesus had a camera, what what would he be doing, and what would he be? making and like what would he be putting out to people and if you pay attention to jesus's life he was mostly interested in, in the lost and stuff and speaking to them. and if you're going to speak to the lost then you don't have to be like them but you have to be able to understand them and, and mm-hmm. kind of understand their language and so i'm not saying like in films that you need to cuss or nudity or anything like that but you can't be falling around a motorcycle gang and no one has tattoos you know or no one says like a cuss word here and there right you know, and people don't get violent you know if you're trying to reach that Target audience, sure. You know what I'm saying, Um, but sorry, I didn't forget. I get on a roll, man. And I'm
0: no, no, you're fine. Uh, Just a side note: if you need anybody to do a nude scene, I'm available. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, you just
3: uh, give me your rider, and I'll I'll send it over (laughs) and let everything you need. It's
1: The impossible whoppers. (laughs) The callback joke, I love it, Dad.
0: Uh, So, so how difficult is? You were talking about like the other Christian film studios and production companies, like how. Well, that's why yeah to finish that we the titles we just
3: everything's grace or faith Mm -hmm. faith like rain or something like that which is fine but we want broken armor to stand out and like when you watch the trailer Mm -hmm. I didn't even tell you that it was a faith based film you know when you watch it and now that I'm telling you that it's kind of like what do you think Mm -hmm. that how does it come across
1: well you know I had an I got the clue because we talked a few minutes before we started recording I knew what you were doing with the faith stuff like I didn't know based on the my only interaction is listening to your previous podcast, most of it, and we never got to the faith part of that. Like, I never finished that officially. Finish <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, I was listening to like you were talking about Tarantino and like some of your inspirations. I was like, okay, how? And, and I, he had mentioned you were into the Christian stuff, you know, doing films. So my my immediate thought was like, was the was the Cameron guy, the, Cam- her, her camera, yeah. his movies, yeah. Okay. I don't, I haven't watched any of that stuff. I don't usually go to those movies because they're, yeah. in my opinion, they're not entertaining. They're kind of, for, I, don't, I don't go to a lot of movies anyway. Anyway, seeing your trailer though, it looks really good. Like I'm impressed by the production value, hmm. you know, and the, in the top, it looks like, it doesn't look like you're, you're not going to show this at the church potluck, you know, yeah. <laughs> for the youth group. It looks like edgy. There's some serious, I'm, I'm, I kind of wanted to see how it, I want to watch it just to, to well, see how some 25th, of that. 25th, yeah. next Friday. Come yeah, up well, <laughs> based on the the trailer, which was like a probably two minutes. Was it yeah, two? Right, it two.
0: And we'll put that in our show notes. Um,
1: yeah, well, we'll have a link to that absolutely. But I'm really curious as someone who's in very involved in the church, some of the issues you were tackling. Like, how do they resolve that? Like, I want I need to know just so I can.
3: And see, that's the other thing too is, is when we were writing that story. I always, as a director, I just make the choice that I have what you know what I think and what I believe. But I make it my goal to see what the opposing viewpoint is. And I put that against each other in the film and let the audience decide. I never try to push my viewpoint on anybody. And I leave it open-ended because I want people leaving the movie going, well, what would you have done? Well, I did that. And then you create a debate. And that, That's, in essence, is what film is supposed to do. Stories are supposed to grow. They're supposed to entertain, too, but they're also supposed mm-hmm. to grow our psych- like our psyches and yeah.
1: and grow us as human beings. The like ones that make you think are always yeah. better than just the that stuff blew up and it was cool. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. Yeah.
3: So in today's time, you know, it, and, but when I made this five years ago, you know, church shootings, public shootings weren't as prevalent. And now it's getting ready to come out next year. It's I imagine it could be kind of controversial, especially the guy—we don't shoot the church up. They just rob it. But— this guy's pushed to a corner to where he has to, he has to find money in order to save his daughter's life, and that was the other thing too. I just didn't say he has no money. He actually goes to the insurance agent, and they explain to him. I went to an insurance agent in real life and said, "Okay, if this was a situation, how would you be able to say no to this guy?" Yeah. And it's like mm-hmm. he told me, "I'm like, okay, now I'm putting you in the movie. He's like, what?" <laughs> now, I'm like, "Yes, i gonna be in it." And that's exactly how I did it. Very authentic. Authent-
1: authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Authentic. authentic. Yeah. Authentic. Words are hard here. Yeah.
0: Um, Definitely. I think words get sucked out when we come into the studio because I have them it's before. The,
1: it's the soundproofing. That's what does it. It's wordproofing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't go I'll
3: go
1: off on tangents. No, about,
0: no, man. Okay. You're, you're completely fine.
1: Welcome to Southern Fried Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so how hard – you're talking about the production company and keeping, like, your focus the focus. And uh, church churchies we say, or christian we say, keeping the main thing the main thing. How do you keep focus on – what you want to do and and strive to keep hit hit your morals and not bend to break those but still be able to push the envelope and make quality product. This is a constant
3: battle because the films the films I grew up on actually were like white heat and James Cagney um, and and more of like Humphrey Bogart type stuff. Uh, and then I kind of grew into John Wayne and then about 16 17 that's when I found Quentin and then when I went to college, that's when I found John LeCoddard and Kiwisawa and all these other—John Borman and all these other 60s and 70s, 80s directors. And I'm drawn to the crime drama. Like, I, I love pirates. I love, you know, the gangsters and and the westerns and the outlaws. And I'm just drawn to that honor and crime and that, mm. you know, morality, that fine line that you have to walk in your your, your moral compass— between violent men and people that are actually compassionate you know like a clint eastwood money movie and a for a few dollars more he's playing both sides so technically you look at that character and he's like is this a good guy or is he like because he takes mm-hmm. after the little guy but he's you know shooting so yeah. you don't know so that, yeah and that, that moral conundrum and then and that's the movies that i started out making i got my first camera when i was 10 and then the first couple of movies i made were not faith-based and then my mom is like why don't you do faith-based movies and i was like Hmm. And then ever since then, I've had to balance that out. And it is, I never want to feel forced to like, well, this is a faith-based film, so you can't have this in it. And I don't, mm. an artist should never feel like he's got, you know, like a mummy with all this bureaucratic, you know, religious red tape wrapped mm. around you. Because then you're not going to make a true film, you know? And it's just, it's more just agenda, really, that you're putting out there. Yeah. So the basis of what I do, I ha- in order to combat that, Um, I have a couple of people that I trust as I'm writing the story and they're like my soundboard and I'll say, okay, so we're going to have this scene and this is what I want the characters doing and then as I'm just like coming up with it off the cuff, you know, developing the story, I'm like, and then this guy can do this and this and they're like, "Mm, what's the point? Mm. And then I'll say, "That's a good point, you know, (laughs) and it's Mm. like, okay, what are you trying to do? What does this mean? And and then they they keep me close to what the, the moral of the story and what the theme is, you know, and that's what really helps me mm. walk that line, um, you know, to Johnny Cash it, you know, so to speak. <laughs> so it's just having a group of people that you tell what, you know, just keep you in check, basically. Nice. Um, and, and I just let things out and then they just kind of chop off what goes past those boundaries and stuff and try to contain it, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah. No, that's got to be a, a huge responsibility on their shoulders, too, is. to say, you know, that's too much. It is. Gotcha.
3: Mike Adams does a really good job, and now that we have Ray Benfield uh, on board, he's he's amazing too. Um, and then uh, I've uh, one of my close friends, Jason. He's actually a police chaplain, and he started his own charity, Springs of Hope, that that works around like PTSD and like um, military and fire and police and all this other stuff. Hmm. Um, and, and he's a straight shooter, and he's Literally. a really good sound. Uh, right. Yeah, he's a really good soundboard. Uh, to put stuff off. And that's what it's all about, you know, because it it takes a village. I can't sit up here and say, you know, this film is all mine. Mm. You know, a director, you're supposed to facilitate uh, everybody's talent and what they're good at. You know, it's a film by this or a film by this, but, you know, you're in control and you make the creative decisions, but that doesn't mean the creativeness in those decisions are always yours. Mm. As long as you give credit to those people, then that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So, and you said so. You you have your own production
1: company, so you don't. Mike I think, and I. Yeah. Well, the yeah, two of you. Yeah. Partnership. I'm assuming yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the there's not like an outside source saying, "Hey, you can't do the, put this in your movie, or you need to do it a different way."
3: Not yeah. in the beginning, but now that we have distribution, there is. Okay. You know. So it's if they know everything that we're doing in Legacy, and they've they've approved everything because mm-hmm. um, they read the script and all that stuff before they they signed it. So. Yeah, if I just take out a scene and then put something else in there and then try to sneak it in there, that wouldn't be too sure. good. But for them, it's a business. So they're going to go, okay, we're going to target this film to these groups of people or this you know, target geographical location and stuff like that. And if you want this movie to do well, then you have to stay kind of inside that box. So if you think about The Mask of Zorro uh, with the Antonio Manderas and Anthony yeah. Hopkins. Antonio Manderas. Yeah, and Antonio Manderas. So, like when they're talking about him, like in the circles, and he has those rings, that's like me in the center. And so I have my like my close ring, and then you know that big one, and it's it's kind of feels like that
1: sometimes. Gotcha. Okay.
0: So talk about Broken Arrow. We before the show we watched a clip. We'll have the clip in the show notes so you can watch it. But those that are listening, they're driving, they are driving, that may not be able to hit play. Cool. Tell us a, a trailer of Bro- uh, Broken Armor.
3: Uh, Broken Armor is about Tristan Harris. And his daughter gets a glioblastoma, which is a type of brain cancer. And when they find that, they have to act immediately. You have to have surgery to remove it immediately. This is not one of the things that you can sit and wait. Okay. Well, he goes, the insurance says that they can't pay for it because the tier, and I didn't know this until I researched Like I was telling you, there's tiers of insurance and, well, this is five years ago. I don't know if it's changed. Um, but there's tiers of insurance and the tier of insurance that they were in didn't cover the actual cost of that surgery. So – and and again, I don't know if they would actually do it, and then they would just owe all this money, you know. But remember, it's a movie, right? Um, but I tried to
1: get it. There's no St. Jude in this movie. Right? Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. So Ronald
0: McDonald House.
3: So he has to. They 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 try to you know remortgage the house or or get, do the equity, find money that way. They try to go to the church. They try they try every possible avenue um, possible avenue to get the money, and they can't. So he turns to a local – the only thing that he can do is he turns to a local mobster that he knows through a friend. And the mobster comes in and says, basically, I'll give you the money, but now you work for me. And in this – it's a really great scene because if he – Val Drexel was the mobster's name. And he says, you know, do you know what this is when he, sh- he shows him the money? And Tristan's like, that's my daughter's second chance. And he says, wrong. Mr. Harris, that's slavery. And then Tristan says – well, I guess we're slaves we're all slaves to something, which is so true. Mm, mm-hmm. And then he goes, interesting, he goes, but if you basically take this money, I own you. And then from that point he takes the money back to his wife and he tells her that someone at the church donated it, so he lied. Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole montage of basically like, Oh, I'm describing the movie, not the trailer. Sorry. No, that's fine. Anyway, um, he he goes he has to do all these things, uh, and like collecting money and beating people up and stuff like this. And as he's doing it, it takes a toll on him, sure. which creates a, a dysfunction in his family life, and his marriage. And it comes to like a, a really big bull in head. And then the, the straw that breaks the camel's back is the mobster has him rob the church. And so after he robs the church, this is his breaking point. And then there's, I don't want to give too much away, mm-hmm. sure. but then this is when he starts to fight back and everything goes crazy. But also, we also follow the young pastor of the church that he robs. And there's a scene where he speaks with the deacons and kind of coming back to what we were talking about, presenting both sides of the table. All the deacons present different ideas. And basically half of the deacons are saying, we can't publicly forgive this man. And the other ones are saying, but we can, because that's what we were called to do. And the pastor's stuck in the middle and the pastor goes out and seeks you know, advice. He gets advice from his young daughter and his, his wife and then his mentor and stuff. And so there's a whole play on that, like is every sin forgivable, which is the tagline. You know, so it it tackles a lot, and there is there is violence. I mean, it's thirteen, it's PG thirteen or thirteen plus if you're going Dove approval. Um, So there is some pretty adult things to tackle in there, but that's the thing. It's it's no one's well. Hopefully, I don't want to say that, but hopefully, but more or less, no one's going to walk out of here. You know, coming to Jesus, and it's not about that. Mm. You know, it's for Christians, but it's also for people to understand what Christianity is about. But it's also just as people. How do we deal with things like this, and do we don't always know someone's side of the store and what what's really happening? So yeah, there you go. Sorry, yeah, that's really no, interesting. No. That's fantastic.
1: I, I, so that, uh, you, you, I was you know I saw a trailer and went oh okay I want I really want to see how it's resolved. It, good work on you know give me in that.
0: <laughs> uh, so when when is that going to be out? You talked a little bit about October twenty fifth. Yeah. So the distribution this? the distribution I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, yeah. The
3: distribution company. Uh, gave me permission to have a premiere, so it'll be in Morganton, and the theater that we're actually showing it at, we actually shot a scene in the movie, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, there, there's some pretty neat trivia stuff in there. October the 25th, 6:30, uh, and then they're going to give us matinees on the 26th and 27th. Which I would um, on Saturday, I would imagine it's around one o'clock, and then Sunday is going to be around three o'clock. So you have church and then time to, you know go eat and stuff and come see the movie. Um, but the interesting thing, and this is going back to the charity part of Dot Twenty One. Um, so we partnered up with three charities up there, Burke United Christian Ministries, the uh, the Meeting Mission Place, which is a woman's shelter, battered shelter, and stuff like that. And then we have Springs of Hope, which I was telling about my friend Jason. Um, but on the 25th, we're going to be taking canned food items, winter coats, and children's toys that people can come and donate. And we'll be on site at 5 o'clock taking those. And then people can – I won't be there Saturday or, or Sunday, more than likely – um, but I, you can still bring them in the theaters. Uh, Garland there has agreed to, to hold them for me, and I'll come pick them up and distribute them uh, accordingly. Nice. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, we'll also have a table there. We're going to be doing some uh, raffles. I've ordered some pint glasses with the, the movie title and, and everything, and we'll be signing those glasses so people put $5 in, and then I've I got to I order a case of them and stuff like that, and then I'll have a couple movie posters and whatnot. Nice. And the movie poster, I should show you that because – I'm a really big fan of '70s movie posters. Mm-hmm. So when I design this, it's actually it's actually a design uh, like a '70s uh, '70s movies uh, movie poster. Nice. Um,
1: oh. oh yeah, that's like. Uh, oh man, what's the guy from uh, with the mustache from the '80s? i don't think about when I see this. Um, that's uh, not appropriate. Uh, I forget the name of the, the Death Watch or that yeah, death, yeah, de- death, death Wish. Death Wish Charles guy. Bronson. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see. Okay, that's what that looks like. It's Charles Bronson a little bit.
0: Nice. <laughs> Um so all the stuff that goes into a movie, you said this started five years ago, wrapping it up. Now. Interesting story. So um I took
3: um I, I was in the military, came out and uh took some time off and I actually became a golf pro. I was a assistant golf pro at Rocky River Golf Club. When I got out of the military, I spent about eighteen months uh practicing and practicing and studying and then I, I got my PGA status. And I was sitting in the club shop for about, I'm, I've been working on this for 18 months, and here I am at a really good course mm. at that time. I don't know if it's still operating very good. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, I'm sitting there for about two months. And I'm like, this is not what I wanna do. And so I called my mom, I was like, I don't wanna do this. I really wanna make movies. And she's like, well, do you have any money saved up? I was like, I don't know. I've got about a month, two months worth of bills I, I can probably cover. Yeah. And then so I was like, well, screw it. So I quit, <laughs> I went home, I wrote the script. And then I got my grandpa's like $200 camera because I didn't have this camera back then. And I, I got um, his $200 camera and I went out and I filmed like a spec trailer and then I took that and then I went out and, and raised close to like twenty grand to, to make the movie Holy and then cow. made the movie. And then afterwards I was like, I don't want to work for anybody again. And that's when <laughs> I started my business mm-hmm. and started doing that. So, you know, I took a leap of faith and, and God's really kind of carried me throughout. And so here we are
0: what's some of the the hardest thing obviously you write the script then you got to film it produce it what's the hardest part of that part
3: logistics and pre-production um scheduling getting everybody scheduled together cuz you're not dealing on you know a shoestring budget for hollywood is a million and that may sound like a lot but it's it's really not mm. you know when you talk about 20 union guys at $1000 a day day rates and stuff i mean you can and then Rentals and stuff like that. But scheduling, getting locations, scouting that, getting people to confirm on this, and just basically planning the whole thing. Mm. It's just a, a monstrosity. And as a creative, I hate it, obviously. yeah. And what is it? Like left, that's left
1: part of the brain or the right part of the brain? Left brain brain's creative, I believe.
3: Yeah, yeah, so it's more right brain and I'm way left. Um, What's back
0: brain? Because I think I'm that one. My, that, that part usually tingles a lot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the logistical part of, of pre-production is, is – Probably the hardest because it's so monotonous. Mm. And just there's no creativeness yeah. to it. You know?
0: Now, you, when we were watching the trailer earlier, you said you broke some ribs. So tell us about that while you were while the car crashed.
3: So this goes back to where you're like keeping it inside the in the fence, you know, when mm-hmm. it's kind of getting outside. Well, I wanted a car crash. Why? Because I wanted one. Yeah, sure. You know, production value. Gotta <laughs> have something. Yeah. And, and my dad, Jer- I wouldn't be able to do it without my dad, um, Jerry. But uh, he's a mechanic. He owns this mechanic shop and he had this Jeep. Uh, sitting there that uh, didn't run, but he tweaked it a little bit. He got it running enough to where we could get it to the top of the street. (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, so we can crash this and no one's going to care. No, we just use it for parts. I'm like, okay, cool. So then we found another car that didn't run. And then I was like, okay, so we're going to park it in his, because there's a main street and then it's parking. So I was going to have the character drive out from his parking garage and cut off this person coming down the street. And then that person runs and hits the car. That was the original idea. (laughs) <laughs> then I got uh, Eric Hildebrand, stunt driver, involved. We started looking at it, and we're like, well, what if we crash through some garbage cans or something like that? And then I was like, I don't know who came up with it, but it was like, it eventually got to, what about a wall of tires with water in it? So it's just like goes, all this way. I was like, do we know any tire guys? I'm like, yeah, we, whatever, we'll call him. And so we had all these tires delivered to the parking lot. We put the car on the right side, and then we built this wall of Jericho, basically, of just all these tires. And then we did, like, run-throughs where we would just come through and just go around it, you know, just mm-hmm. to kind of practice and getting real close between the two cars because we were be on radios. The original plan was for the Jeep, that I, the, the hit in the car, was to hit at 35 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. We hit it at 53. What? Yeah. So the night before, we had storyboarded where we wanted all the cameras and, and coverage and stuff. Well, the night before, I'm sitting out at the production house on, on the lake uh, that um, uh, Lake James Realty got us. Really, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Polly Ledbetter. Um, so we're sitting on the back porch. It's like 11, 11 p.m. at night, and I'm sitting there talking to the sound guy and the DP. I'm like, you know what? I think we should put a camera inside the car. And Sean looks at me. The DP is like, uh, no, you're not paying me enough, you know. And there's no insurance on this thing, you know. So I was like, <laughs> talk to your insurance yeah. guy. He said no. I was like, but you know, how awesome it would be. They're like, yeah, it would be awesome, Jay. But you know, I don't want to die. Right, I was like, but it's for the shot, bro. The the thin line. (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, you know what, I'll do it. So we got in there and prepped. I I got a pillow, (laughs) uh, a pillow, and I two bungee cords that I strapped around my mid waist, and then I got a towel and wrapped it around. around,
0: That's going to stop it
3: around my neck, and. um, my mom didn't know I was doing this, uh, and so well, we, sent, we sent her off to get some food for Crafty or whatever, mm-hmm. and um anyway, I get in the car. I'm getting in the car, <laughs> and we go up, and we're like, ready, ready, and we get down there, and you can hear me in the camera, like, going, slow down. <laughs> we crashed through that, bam, hit it, and in the behind-the-scenes, and I've got it in the behind-the-scenes footage. Um, (laughs) you can hear me as soon as as soon as the car hit the other car and settled. You can hear me go, and then you hear Eric, the stunt driver, go. You're all right, (laughs) (laughs) and I fall out of the truck. But I had we had the street shut down. We had fire and paramedics on standby, and then the paramedics came over there. And my dad was like, "You're all right. Everything's good."
0: Yeah, rub some dirt on it. It It, was fine.
3: Yeah, he's a paramedic too. So this was uh, this was at I think 8:30 or 7:30 in the morning. We didn't rap until about one one AM. Mm. And so the whole day it just gets worse and worse. And the more I laugh, it became a running joke for everybody to see if you can make me laugh, you know. All right. And then later on that night I just end up passing out and I wake up in the hospital I've got <laughs> two cracked ribs, yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. And then in the shootout scene in the movie, we uh, we use wax tips for the bullets, like mm. to keep the gunpowder in. Mm-hmm. First shot, first take of it about 120 feet away. I got shot with a 45 caliber, um, the wax tip coming from a 45 caliber rifle right in my leg. Oh And oh, I had gosh. to go through that whole scene. Ouch. And then after cut, I got up and I'm limping. And you can hear my dad in the background going, that boy gets hurt more than anything.
1: <laughs> so I've never heard of a director doing his own stunts before. That's, I mean, really? that's the, I mean, I I, mean, I don't follow the independent film scene, but I mean. I, I guess, it, I don't know. <laughs> I never thought about it. I mean, cause you're actors doing it, but I don't know.
3: I've never thought about that. That's uh, dedication.
1: Maybe you should have one of the actors do so, it. So while while you were setting up that scene, you're talking about you know stacking stuff up. There was this movie. I forget what movie it was. It was a parody or something. And like, there's a scene where they said, "Well, oh no, they, they just told us to walk back and forth with this pane of glass the whole time." And eventually, like, at the end of the movie, it pays off. You know, something comes through, breaks the grass, hits like a boxes of chickens or everywhere. <laughs> like they they set that up in the very beginning of the movie. We're just supposed to like stand here to stack these boxes. And then, you know, then something happens like an hour later and I use off the joke. But that's what I'm thinking in my head when I talk about the tires stacked. Is this whatever parody movie was? I don't know.
3: That, that moment when I was – I had tires ordered, delivered, and stacking. That's the one moment that I've felt most like a director. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, you know, not releasing movies or being at a premiere or anything else like that. Getting tires delivered and stacked up—that's what did it it's for for a car wreck. That's—I
3: mean, for independent filmmaker, you know, like this is really cool. It's a big yeah. time stunt. Yeah. Right?
0: yeah. Oh, I mean, it was nice. It was good. Awesome. So, if people can't make it uh, to Morganton on uh, this, when this gets released, Friday, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where can people see the the movie?
3: Right. So, the best thing that I can tell you is to like us on Facebook mm-hmm. at Dive D I V E Twenty One Studios, all one word at Dive Twenty One Studios like us and follow us on Facebook. Um, the broken armor should be released second quarter of 2020 so sometime between April May and June okay. uh, and it is national so um, it just it just we will be posting where it's going to be at it, it could be in some Walmarts here and there CVS and stuff some red boxes um, they're gonna pitch it to Netflix. Maybe they take it, maybe they don't. Legacy River that we're working on right now is slated to be on Netflix. Oh wow! Um, but for Broken Armor, but it, it could end up on Hulu. It could end up on you know Vudu or wherever these VOD platforms. Um, I'm sure it'll end up on Amazon, but I'm not sure if it end up on Amazon Prime because I don't know if there's money made off of that to the gotcha. distribution company. So the best thing I can tell you is just to follow the page. You know, um, I'm gonna, they're gonna try for Broken Armor to have a theatrical. Release like, um, if that happens, then we'll post it. Yeah, if not, I'm also working on a small run of about 20 to 25 theaters in the local area. Okay, reaching down to Charlotte, Kanapolis, maybe because I know it show at the gym, maybe we can show it at the gym again. Nice. But again, I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. So the best thing to do is just to follow the page.
1: Yeah, um, and we'll be letting people know when it can come out. Nice. So, yeah, I have a, just a question about the, like the pro, you know, being like have access to like the streaming stuff now does that help you as a small or independent Oh god it's at all? amazing
3: um you know distribution was so different 5 years ago because mm. you just it was kind of a, a monopoly on it um Netflix being pretty much that was where you wanted to go um you know and then you have like HBO Now and stuff but now i mean what is it Apple TV's coming out with something with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon or something oh, yeah. like that so there's so many there's so many apps that have their own VOD streaming like, platform now. Yeah. Which is – and I feel like it's because people's – there's just – there's so many people, and everybody watches stuff all the time. Yeah, it so
1: It never stops.
3: Yeah, Jeez. so the demand for content mm-hmm. has supplied us with work, and now that's what you're seeing is everybody's just popping up with their own TV shows, and these, these companies are constantly looking for content creators – you know, looking for the next Game of Thrones or the next big thing, sure. you know, which is great for us because it creates work. But the only thing is, and I may be off on this, and this is just speculation, but the more people that are looking for stuff means that the more they, the amount that they would have paid you five years ago has probably gone vastly down. So mm-hmm. if you've got two or three competitors, but now there's 20 people out there looking for content— you know, the there's, amount there's more would, slices
1: to the pie, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So they're like, "Do you mm-hmm.
3: want to be on it?" There's more bargaining chip leverage for them. Yeah. But work is work. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you know, if you get picked up, say you're on Hulu or Netflix or something, and you get a lot of views, that just helps you in the future, right? I mean. Oh yeah, the
3: the the more views just adds up because it's the popularity. You know, they'll. It's kind of like music too. You know, before music uh, companies would. They go out and find talent and then sign you and they're like, this guy's gonna be big.
1: Then they own you at slavery.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice callback joke. He's the king of callbacks. <laughs> C B, that's your name. Okay. So like, you know, music companies now, they're like, they wait for people to get big. You have to go out and get your own videos. You have to go out and get your following. You have to go out and do all this stuff. And then right when you start to the trend, then we're gonna attach you're gonna attach ourselves to your coattails. Yeah. And it's the same way in
1: film. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting.
3: So that's why I mean we do all this stuff, you know. I mean that's why I do radio and T V and no one's going to do it for me, you know?
1: Yeah. Did I put you on a plane to Japan to do press
3: tour? I love Japan. I've been there. I love <laughs> Tokyo. <laughs> what, um, tell us about Legacy River. Uh, Legacy River is awesome. Um, Legacy River, Proverbs 26, 8. Um, basically, he, he who trusts in his riches shall fall, and the righteous shall flourish like the branch. So Legacy River is based on greed, and so you have the guy that played Val Drexel playing the villain again. He was mm-hmm. originally scheduled to to play the good guy, but then we just kind of switched him. We're like, we're just gonna just kind you, <laughs> you know? Um, but he's playing a a really crooked sheriff. Um, but basically, what happens is you have Legacy River, which is uh, um, the, the the ranch for the main character, Luke James, Luke and Walter, they're brothers, and they run this ranch. Um, and then they they fostered two kids, right? And then you have Clifford and Colin Archer, who are brothers. Clifford is the sheriff. He's the bad guy, and Colin is the brother. The and their father had this huge fortune, and the father just left it to Colin, which really, you know, pissed Clifford off. Mm-hmm. And so Clifford has created this vendetta to become rich and and powerful. He's just he's extremely greedy. Well, he finds oil on the land, the James Ranch, and no one knows it. So he starts concocting a plan to get ja- um, my character killed and frame my brother. Uh, to get my brother to kill his brother Colin because he thinks Colin did it. And then Walter goes to jail and then kicks the kids off. Mm. But there's one little problem. There's this man named Mr. Allen who's the lawyer. And the kids, um, Luke left, he was a poker player too. So there's like a bad side to, well, not a bad side, but he's a gambling side. And he left, he had this choice because the ranch is also in foreclosure. So he has a choice to take this money, this one from gambling, to save the ranch or to give it to these kids and set them up for life. And he sets up a trust. But when he dies, the lawyer comes in and gives the trust to the kids. The kids meet the lawyer. So when all this stuff happens and Luke gets killed and Walter gets blamed and he gets arrested and all stuff, they go to Mr. Allen. Then he starts snooping around and figures out the entire plan, ends up helping bring everything down or bringing Clifford down. And then the ranch goes to the two kids. And then what the two kids do with it is the most important part. They donate ninety percent of what they make off these oil fields mm. back to the local communities, uh, creating like shelters and building homes, and uh, giving seed money to local entrepreneurs to get their money started and taking. As long as those entrepreneurs give a percentage back to these charities, and so they're doing all this stuff, and so they end up like on a, a news station talking about what they're doing. And at the very end of the film, uh, one of the siblings, you know, looks at the camera and it's like, you know, what's your legacy? Mm. And that's that's what it's about. It's like how on one side. When you make decisions as a human being that are based on greed, if you think of that decision when you make that decision it's throwing a rock in a water the ripples mm-hmm. and how many people it really can affect and so it's it, I need you know we want people to think about the the recourse to those actions based off of greed mm-hmm. but then also when you're given something so substantial what you're supposed to do with it you know instead of going out and buying a Lamborghini why don't you just rent a Lamborghini for an hour and get that experience you know yeah. and then Take the money and give it to somebody else. And the other thing about it is um, I have these young kids in today's time making these decisions. Mm. So I want people their age that see this film to think about that. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? But also yeah. at the same point, you don't have to have all this money and all of this stuff. We all have the capability to help other people yeah. within our capacity. Mm-hmm. And even though there's people out there that want to give back and want to do all this stuff, but they can't because they're limited, that's okay.
2: hmm just yeah. be
3: okay with what you can do. Which but can. the point is, as long as you do do it, yeah. you know, and that's the tagline to the movie is what's your legacy. Yeah. And that's what we want to get people, you know, and it's a modern Western too, which is kind of cool. Um, you I know, I was
0: thinking it was a modern take on Hamlet, but I guess I'm totally off. <laughs> no. I was
3: no. thinking like no. Matlock and Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, yeah. That'd like
0: be good. That's, that's,
3: that's. Hey, I like that. <laughs> Matlock meets
0: Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, I miss Andy Griffith, by the way. So good. Yeah. He was so good. Anyway, I digress. I that sounds it like coming, a digress. great story, great
3: message. And we do have the kids. spec trailer out for that on, oh, okay. on, on the Facebook. So that spec trailer is out. And it's about uh, – it's got a monologue about my character. So m- my character in the movie, his wife was killed – his wife and son were killed in a drunk driving accident. Mm. And there's this scene with um, his brother in in the movie where he gives his brother comes to him talking about God and stuff, and, and my character's like God. You want to talk to God? You want to talk to me about God? Where was God when I was holding my son, yeah. like in my arms? And, mm. and, I, and he just starts spouting off all this stuff, and then he pulls out a gun and tries to kill himself. And Walter, mm. his brother, stops him from doing it. And this is based off of um, uh, I had a brother commit suicide mm. in front of uh, two of my other brothers and stuff. And then and so suicide is, is kind of it's it's not a main theme, but it's a sub theme in there, you know. Um, but we never. After that scene, I, I never show the two brothers like mm. reconciling after that because you don't always get the opportunity. But in that scene, when when his brother's talking about you know where was God and all this stuff, he says because like when you're writing it, going back to into you guys' questions earlier, I was sitting there, I was like, what what could he say, you know? And I was like, but I don't want him to preach, like be preaching. Well, you know this and this because it just doesn't seem natural. Yeah. So basically, I was just like, I'm just gonna write what comes natural. What what I think would really happen, and Walter says to his brothers, "Like I, I wish I was a pastor, or I wish I knew scripture to tell you, but I don't. But all I can tell you is, is God does exist. You know, and it's just plain right yeah. out there like yeah. that. There's no come to Jesus moment. There's no like, you know, I feel like most Christian movies would attack this scene as, you know, there'd be a bunch of crying. He, the, the brother says some, you know, crazy monologue or something, and mm-hmm. you know, the brothers they just hug and stuff, and they, <laughs> it, it, you know, but that's not real life. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You're right." You know, yeah. and, and it's okay, you know, but there are some movies where we do, we do need those movies, but I feel like those movies are out there. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go off on a random tangent.
0: No, no. Very good. My last question for you. What does a gaffer do? I don't know. Okay. All right. No, uh
1: I I, I'm. Hmm. There's the tape involved, right?
0: No. So, you,
3: well, you have the gaffer <laughs> tape. Gaffer <laughs> tape can put down, you know, like you got all these like crazy wires sitting on the floor. Gaffer tape would organize them and just walk over but oh. gaffers do have that tape so that's where and but they're also for action marks so like mm. or cue marks for the actors like they have to walk into a scene and they stop right there because um, before you roll the camera's right there and so you get a focus mark right there so the oh. actor walks right into and stops on their mark and they're in focus so the way cameras work and then like uh, cinema lenses and stuff or prom lenses, is like unless the camera's got autofocus or whatnot but you have to actually manually focus yeah. those things. So like when you watch films and people are like moving and, and the camera's moving with them and stuff and they're staying in focus, there's a guy sitting on the, there's a second like assistant camera operator or a pull focus guy keeping that focus that they have chalked. And they've they've run and rehearsed that and practiced it and practiced it down to the point where they've got it. So that's actually someone just nailing focus, man. And it's awesome to watch. But uh, a gaffer mostly helps uh, with
1: within the lighting department.
0: Hmm. There you go. Any questions
1: for you? The po- things people don't think about as a director, you have to, you're you like a lighting expert. You're a camera expert. Like You have to know how to do everything, right?
3: Yes, but I'll sit here and tell you I don't. But a good director, if you can't, and I think this is true for any industry or, or any role of leadership, if you are not an expert at that role or don't, can't do that role justice, then you can't tell someone else how to do it. Yeah,
1: that makes and, sense. But...
3: but You know, not all directors know everything. So it's like, hey, man, I trust you. You know what you're doing. This is my vision. Get as close to it as you can. But you have to
1: know what you're – like what the end result, what you're looking for. Yeah, well, you have to know
3: the terminology of what you're wanting to do and stuff like that. But, you know, all right. So if you – what would – in the film industry, what would your role be?
1: Oh well, I'm a I'm an audio guy, so I would probably be like a, either Sound. an editor or like the guy holding the pole with the, the mic boom pole. Yeah, the boom pole. Okay, cool. Most likely, yeah. What about you? Jay?
0: I would be the guy guarding the craft
1: services. <laughs> that would be me. Crafty. Guarding the craft services.
0: Guarding in
3: in air quotes. Did you guys need to go on Facebook and follow uh, movie set memes? <laughs> there are so many jokes about, and these are it's only industry professionals in there. And you can learn a lot about the film history and the terminology and stuff. But they make a lot of funny jokes uh, about crafting stuff. It's really cool. You should check it out.
0: I always am impressed by – sometimes you see the behind the scenes and the craft services. And there's so
1: much food. Here, here's, yeah. yeah. It looks like there's a lot of I – mean, there's a lot of people on set. And then if you have – I guess you have – in like Hollywood, you have famous people. You have to – you can't just bring them you know, Impossible Whoppers. You got to get no. them a better sandwich than that. Right. But, you know, the thing about the the industry is, you know, you asked about gaffers, mm-hmm. and we have craft services. If you didn't know what that meant, like how is craft spelled? Is it K R F T? Because everyone has craft packages? Like is that? Yeah. I mean, seriously, C R C. No, exactly. But the names for things in movies have no context outside of that world. Mm, That's know? A good point. So you can talk about like people who maybe they just hold a clipboard have some crazy name on a film set. It makes them sound important, but they're just sitting there holding a clipboard. Which like, maybe it's important it's to hold that clipboard, board. but you know.
0: Yeah. So if I said uh, check in the gate. Yeah. That uh, one that one? means check your fly, because your fly is down.
1: Well, the horse is going to get out of the. Oh, market. really?
0: That's it. Check oh. the gate. I thought what, it
1: meant
3: uh, your, the director's checking the playback monitor to watch what you just. Gate, nope. like speed. But I like, like your version better. <laughs> I think uh, no, going, this going, is a going game now. Okay, we're there, on. Oh, right, here we go. This is great. So if you if you're on a film set and you hear I got a
0: ten too. That's a breaking and entering.
3: 10-2. <laughs> I got to go poop.
0: Oh. 10-2. 10-2. Oh.
1: All
0: right. Fire Mattis. Give, give us some more because this yeah, is
1: fantastic.
3: Uh, I, you got flag on the play. Uh, Kevin Smith loves that one. I mean, there was something wrong with uh,
1: flag. Okay. I mean,
0: that's a football term. Okay. That got makes it. sense. I'm with okay. that now. Uh Striking. That's bowling. That's a bowling term. You got to strike.
1: Striking. That's not related <laughs> to the 10-2, right? That's a different uh, uh, striking.
0: Or you just, you refuse to work.
1: Mm, yeah, the writer's striking. What,
0: I, so I got something interesting. We,
3: we, I know we got time. Uh, I do time, so I'll end on this. Striking means you're like striking lights or turning them on and stuff like that. Oh. And then extension cords, they're called stingers.
1: Stingers? Because if you like bite one, then it stings. I don't know. Why? Why do they call? them So I said stingers? the vocabulary in that, it's the only place you see that. Yeah. Like in the audio, like I do, you know, live audio and stuff. That's a cable. Right. That's a speaker. You don't go.
0: You don't go uh, on a con- construction work zone, and somebody says, "Hey, bring me that that stinger over there." Yeah. No, bring me the extension cord.
1: Sure. Yeah, and I have trouble saying that when I am in stores or something. Do you have any stingers? Uh, extension cords. It must be like a yeah. union thing. Like you can't get a job in the film industry unless you've had gone through like film vocabulary one hundred and one or something. Is there
0: so. any more that we can? I'm gonna. Do you want to know
3: how film was created? Yes. Okay. Ooh. Real quick. So, yeah, and I may not have all the names right, but this is the gist. So back in France in about 1891, there were two guys. Don't know the names. Who cares? But they were Louis uh, They were yeah. at uh, <laughs> I do Must be inside there. So there were two guys at a, at a horse racetrack, and they got into an argument. One guy said, "Guy number one said, when a horse is running, at some point when a horse is running, all four hooves are off the ground." Mm-hmm. Guy number two said, "You're wrong. There's always one hoof touching the ground." So it's a bet. It was a bet. And they said, okay, well, how can we prove this? So what they did is they called in a photographer to take pictures of a horse running. Well, he takes pictures. like, Well, this isn't true because there's gaps in it. So the photographer had the bright idea on the, like, the straightaway of the, the track. They set up like little uh, strings and these um, cameras. So each time when the string was broken, it would take a picture. And this horse just ran across like hundreds oh, of them. Boom. Like frames he, per second. And then he took okay. the pictures and put them together like a flip book to create motion. And they found out that, of course, there's always one hoof on the so ground. That was the
1: punchline. Okay. Wow.
3: But from that, the, the, and then you had these two brothers called the Lumiere brothers. They came in and took that one step further and created the world's first camera in 1893 that actually captured motion. Okay. And then they started filming uh, little shorts, which were called actualities. Which today we were probably called documentaries. Okay. But they would okay. just film they would just film right, real life. So they would go in the street, set up the camera and just roll the camera and people just walking and stuff like this. And then they would take these short films. It's
1: called and, YouTube now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then they would take these little short films and they would put it in to uh like these little gymnasium type things, put up chairs and stuff, and they would project it onto the screen and show people. Okay. The technically and it's debatable, the first horror film. So, what they did was they went and filmed the train station and they had this train coming into the station or whatever. All right. So, they filmed the train coming into the station. So, when they showed it to this audience, the closer the train got to to the screen, people started getting really uneasy and stuff. Like, what's going on? It got a little bit closer. And by the time it got right up to them, people were screaming and running out the door Mm. because they thought it was, they've never seen motion before. And that to me is like crazy about how today time we take all this stuff. for granted. Yeah. Yeah. But but then this kind of developed into um, filming. Like they started putting little like the, the, the great train robbery together. And they started putting little narratives together and stuff. And then they would make these little movies and they would show them. But then they were like, well, we want to show everybody. So that's when you got these people on on uh, um, horses and carriages and stuff to take their films. And they would travel to these little towns and set up kind of like a circus. They come to town, they set up and put chairs up. And these were called Nickelodeon. Mm. Okay, huh. and then after that then they go well we just kept doing all this because they were league. all a nickel right yeah so yeah. so they just had to set up um, wow. they were like well we just can't keep traveling you know so they wanted to expand so they started setting up little centers and stuff so the people would film they'd send it to these centers and then the centers would distribute it and that's where you had distributors and then they were like well why don't we just have theaters because all this stuff just start churning out so much content because everybody wants it you know and then that's where your movie theaters come but it all, it all came from a horseback
1: Wow. And at some point in there, they said, we need a guy called a gaffer.
0: At some point, <laughs> there's a gaffer coming. Yeah. It, it amazes me. Like 130 years ago, and now we're just like doing the whole thing on phones and, and whatnot. It just blows my mind. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, like Steven Spielberg
3: making movies on iPhones. And yeah. yeah. another 130 years. Yeah. This I can tell you where – I can actually tell you where this is. And I wish I had a national stage to say this, just so I could say
1: – we're, 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 we're worldwide. We are worldwide. That is
3: that was I shouldn't have said that. That was me. That was real.
0: <laughs> no, we, we are horrible. We know that.
3: So what I would like to do is now that we have like the camera called the Oculus, like um, James Wan did for like the Conjuring and stuff, where it films, you know, 360. So what I want to do is I want to take the Oculus and then I want to mix virtual reality. So basically the idea is I can film the character and show you the frame that I want. Mm-hmm. But the camera's filming 360. So when you come into the theater instead of 3D, forget 3D, you come into the theater and you put these virtual reality goggles on and you watch the character, but if you want to turn around and look what's behind, you can. And so it's a it's a virtual reality movie that you walk like like can go and experience.
1: Well, mm-hmm. that like John Favreau did that with the Lion King, right? If you like oh, he directed it in VR. I've I've read it a little bit, but he like it's you know, it's a CGI movie, but they built like he walked he had a thing on his head and like position stuff. He could see the whole world. He was directing in in Not the... A, like in a... Like it wasn't the perfect version of it but it was... Yeah.
3: But did they offer it to the public?
1: Anymore? No, no. I don't think so but it was... Oh, for he, for him as the director had that's the technology they used mm. to make that. I haven't seen the movie yet but oh, okay. I see what you're um, that's just the way he directed his animated movie was in VR. He was in the hmm. world, or a version of it. It probably wasn't the polished version. Well, then there you it's go. It's there. But you you got yeah. to that to
3: the movie theaters. Just, that, I think that's yeah. the only natural – that's the only way that we can really go because, you know, scope or, you know, just flat 2D is – there's that, and then you have 3D, but it's – people aren't really on to that. Yeah, hmm. 3D you know? messes with my head in a and theater. That's,
1: that's, I saw Avatar, and yeah, that, that messed with 3D. my – that's the last 3D movie I did.
3: And yep. that that's the big thing. But look at virtuality and how well that's done in like the gaming world. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's only natural that film, narrative film, and or documentary. I don't uh, maybe documentaries, but that world they just eventually collide. And, and think about that type of experience.
0: You know. So what I hear uh, Jay saying is, what we need to do is invest in those wet wipes because we're going to be wiping down all those virtual. Reality headset. Oh on.
1: yeah, you're gonna walk in. There's gonna be a bin for the virtual reality glasses you see yeah. on your head. Yeah. And, you sit and in it's a some, chair some some, with some teenager
0: is gonna be in their back with the white wet wipes, cleaning them all off. That's it. That's the future.
3: Actually, dude, if it starts, you need to buy that stock. I'm you just, just saying. <laughs> that is
1: ingen- no, no, that is truly a genius. <laughs> the guy that invented the paperclip. Think about that. I mean, you just you just. Well, I, I was at Carowinds on Saturday. Okay. And they have you know it's it's scarewinds time. I went for, during the day for my little kids. Right. But they have, a, they have a silent disco. Okay. So, you know, you put your headphones on, you dance. Mm-hmm. And no one hears the music but you. Except so it, you. Looks, it looks hilarious. Yeah. Watch. But there's a guy in the corner wiping down all the headphones. Told you. Told
0: you. With the wet wipes. Yep. All right, Jay Turner, thank you so much for coming. I we really appreciate it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, sir. So check out uh, Broken Armor, Legacy River, soon to be on Netflix, worldwide, global release in Japan. Coming up, uh, no, just uh, pay attention to their Facebook page. We'll have all their links and whatnot, uh, so you can follow them, check out their movies when they get released. Thanks
1: again. So thanks for tuning in to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Uh, Make sure to check us out on all the places that podcasts exist. Uh, Give us a like. Leave us a comment. um, Go follow us on social media. We're at SFP Radio everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitters. Reach out to us. Contact us. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Uh, yeah and we again want to say thank you to our sponsors also a shout out to States Vegas Radio because we did not mention them in the beginning thank you guys for uh, for playing our shows Monday at 6 o'clock and Friday at 4 thanks again for tuning in to the Southern Fried Philosophy Pod- podcast and as always keep looking up